Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without regard for God. Surely God is my help, and the Lord is the one who sustains me. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. You have delivered me from all my troubles, and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Kevin, for those who do not uh, know me. Um, and it's a pleasure for me to open up uh, God's word with you today. Uh, so before we get stuck into it, uh, how about we pray? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, your word is indeed good. It brings us life, it brings us guidance, and it brings us transformation. So we pray that today your word will transform our lives and guide us to live as faithful children. Amen. So when I was still at uni, uh, my friend and I experienced something deeply unjustified. Uh, so after having presented our major group presentation, uh, we were asked by our tutor to stay behind in class. Uh, so we were seated down, and the third member of our group decided to speak up. He said that we didn't do any work that we didn't communicate with him and found it unfair that we were getting the same mark as he did. And boy, were we shocked. We felt deeply betrayed because the night before, we actually had to stay up finishing his part because that very night, he told us that he hasn't done anything. So before he went on uh, and made more false accusations, uh, we interrupted him. Uh, we argued how this wasn't true and how this was deeply unjustified. And after what felt like a very long argument, we proved that what he was saying was all false. The third member of this group uh, was sent to our course convener and uh, sus subsequently was uh, issued with a fail mark. Uh, but despite being proven innocent, weirdly enough, it didn't stop us from receiving a penalty to our marks. How unfair is that? Not only was our trust betrayed, firstly by this guy not having done any work, and then not only was he gonna receive the same mark as we did because we just couldn't be bothered speaking up, he dared accuse us of not doing any work, which for some reason resulted in my friend and I receiving penalties. It shouldn't be surprising at all if I told you that for the rest of the semester, uh, I thought the whole world was against me, that everyone was out for me, and I was definitely not the most happiest of chaps on campus. But as bad as that situation was, the reality is stories a lot worse than this, experience of betrayal is an all too common thing. You yourself may have experienced betrayal before, and whether it was big or whether it was small, I'm sure you can agree that this isn't a good feeling. It's a kick to your gut, a low blow, and sometimes you might feel like you're out for the count. But it is in times like these do I wonder, 
Who do we trust and turn to when the people we trusted, the people we work with, the people who we think won't do us any harm, betray us? Who do we trust and turn to when we feel like the world is against us? Do we turn to our family, our spouse, our boss, the police? Do you even go to self-help books, motivational speakers, escape with a holiday, or take up a sport or class that promises you to bring you enlightenment? Although some of these things can be good things to turn to or good people to turn to, can I say that it is not the best thing? Because living the Christian faith means that there is someone who we can turn to that is perfect and will never betray or fail us. And that's God. And this is what we see in Psalm 54. Now, if you don't know what a psalm is, um, it is a prayer or a poem that is designed to be sung to God. And this particular psalm is credited to King David, who at that time was experiencing life a lot worse than I was experiencing during that semester. Because what David was going through seemed like everything was going against him. So this morning, uh, in three points, uh, first by looking at David's plea from verses 1 to 3, then David's trust uh, from verses 4 to 7, and then thinking about what this all means for us today, I want us to consider from David's experience how God is the one we trust and turn to when we feel like everything is against us. So read with me from verse 1. Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayers, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without a regard for God. Doesn't starting off a prayer like this, pleading for help, make you wonder what David is going through? Was he actually going through tough times or was he just being a little bit like a kid throwing a tantrum because mummy and daddy didn't buy them ice cream? Well, luckily for us, in the introductions of this psalm, it actually tells us what David was up to. Um, so in the words in italics under the heading of Psalm 54, it reads, For the director of music with stringed instruments, a masquil of David, when the Ziphites have gone to Saul and said, is not David hiding among us? You see, what this is referencing is a time of David's life that we can read in the book of 1 Samuels. Uh, and so what was happening already, or what already happened before this psalm, uh, is that God has anointed David to be the new king of Israel. But his predecessor, King Saul, was still alive and still sat on the throne. So 1 Samuel records how the Spirit of God left King Saul and then entered David instead. And because God was with David, he did many good things. He helped calm, uh, calm King Saul when he was overcome with evil spirits. He helped King Saul and Israel with military conquest. And because of this, David was loved by all of Israel. But what happened was that King Saul became very jealous. And in his jealousy, he was determined to kill David. 
So David was on the run for his life. He's been jumping city to city, town to town, escaping the grasp of Saul. But when he was hiding in the wilderness of Sif, and this is where our psalm fits in, it seems like his time was up. David was about to be cornered because Saul and his men found where David was and was closing in. But this wasn't because Saul had good scouts or not. This was because the Siphites, the people that were living in the land, ratted David out. They went to Saul and told him that David was hiding in their land and that they will help Saul find him. But you see, if you didn't like David or David was your enemy, this would have been the obvious thing to do. David wouldn't have been the brightest of kids if he thought that he wouldn't be ratted out if that was the case. But the Siphites and David weren't enemies. They were fellow Israelites. And what is more is that the Siphites and David were actually brothers from the same tribe of Judah. The Siphites and David were related. And David, he was hiding where they lived, which was his home territory, land where he believed he would be safe. This kind of situation reminds me of when I was in high school. Uh, Because we all went to the same school, even if we didn't like each other, when someone outside of my school talked badly about one of our guys, no matter who they were, we would stand up for them and protect them. We were brothers, and brothers helped each other. So time and time again, um, our school constantly got into scuffles with other schools uh, because we were protecting one of our own. But imagine if when one of our own was attacked, but no one stood up beside him and instead all went to the other side and helped his attackers attack him even more. Just how betrayed and outrageous would that be? And this is what David is experiencing. David trusted these people. David saw the Siphites as brothers. And even if they didn't actively try to hide David, David would have believed that he wouldn't be ratted out. But the Siphites not only ratted David out, they also helped Saul track him down. And so can you imagine just what David is going through? He's on the run for his life, having done nothing wrong, and now his own people betrayed him and is willing to have him killed. I thought my betrayal was bad, but this is exponentially worse. And we can see how deeply hurt David was in verse 3. Read again with me. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me, people without a regard for God. David calls the Siphites, Saul and his armies, arrogant, or in other biblical translations, strangers. He calls them ruthless and people without a regard for God. You see, these descriptions were descriptions that were reserved for Israel's enemies, They were for barbarians, for savages that would actually attack Israel. These descriptions were not used for fellow Israelites or even fellow brothers. 
The Siphites' betrayal affected David so deeply that he would end up calling his brothers enemies, barbarians, and savages. It's a pretty bad spot to be in, don't you reckon? But you see, although it seemed like the world was against David, even though he had men by his side ready to fight alongside of him, David doesn't turn to his own military might. He doesn't turn to his own strength or even cheap tricks like trying to bribe the Siphites out of telling where he was. When the whole world was against him, when his brothers, people he trusted, betrayed him, David turned to God. David called out to God to save him, to vindicate him, and to hear his prayers. David turns to God and asks for help. But why? Why does David turn to God? Follow along as I read from verse 4. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. The reason why David cries out to God is because of David's faith in God. Knowing who God is, David places his faith and trust that God is the one who will help him through and continue to sustain him. David trusts that God will be faithful, unlike the Siphites and Saul, who has betrayed a brother and is out for his life. So despite what he's going through now, David trusts that God will be by his side, helping him, guiding him, and sustaining him in all he goes through. Just how amazing is that? Even in the midst of running for his life, even though he could have easily turned to his own strength, he turns to God because he trusts that God will be there for him. But you see, that isn't all. David's trust that God will sustain him, will help him, runs even deeper than that. Because what David prays in verse 5 reveals to us the depth of David's trust. He says, Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. Returning back uh, to my group work experience at uni, uh, when my friend and I were penalized for something that was deeply unjustified, for the rest of the semester, we met up with our course coordinator and our dean trying to get justice. How did it make any sense that the ones who did the work, who was deemed innocent, would be penalized just like the one who didn't do any work? You see, my friends and I turned to those who had greater authority than our tutor who penalized us. And a little bit similar to that is David's response. David turns to God, the authority of his life, trusting that God will save him through and from the Siphites and Saul. David trusts that like a spring, when it's pushed down and it comes flying back up when you let it go, the evil that David faces now will be sprung back on his enemies because he knows that God is faithful to his mighty name. You see, rather than trying to fight back, rather than trying to get justice right there, right then, David turns to God and leaves the righteous judging to God's hands. And even before 
God enacts this righteous judgment, David trusts that God will be faithful. So he continues his prayer with these words in verse 6. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. You have delivered me from all my troubles, and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. So even despite being on the run for his life, and he's about to be cornered, David deeply trusts that God will save him, that God will help him, sustain him, and enact righteous judgment. And so he promises God that he will respond by worshipping him freely and continuing to praise his name. Now you can't tell me that that is a trust on a totally new level. I don't think I could ever trust someone that deeply in my normal everyday life, let alone if my life was in danger and I was on the run for my life. I don't think I could have such a trust like David. But David did. But you see, even though David was a very special person in Christian history, he isn't too much different from us all. David was human, he was sinful, and by no means was he perfect. He was a liar, he was an adulterer, and he was a murderer. Yet David was able to trust God with his life, even when his life was in danger. Isn't that just amazing? And you see, for the Christian, this too is a faith and trust that we can have. The God that David placed his trust in is the same God that the Christian faith believes in. Just like how David trusts that God will save him, help him, sustain him, even when the world is against him, Christians can have the same deep trust that God will save them, help and sustain them, even when we feel like the world is against us. And you see, David's trust didn't betray him. David, in fact, did escape from Saul, he did stand in victory when his enemies were brought to justice and he was seated on the throne, the rightful king of Israel. And likewise, our trust in God won't betray us. Because you see, David escaping from Saul and being made king wasn't the ultimate victory that David was thinking of. Because many thousand years later, a man who was the descendant of David who is God's anointed king, who is perfect in every way, shares a very similar storyline. From being chased by Israelites and having a bounty on his head, to being abandoned by friends from his inner circle, to being betrayed and sold out to his enemies, to being someone who deeply trusts that God will sustain him. Jesus, God's one and only son, stood in victory as he took on death by dying on the cross, only to rise three days after, defeating sin and death once and for all. You see, David was running from evil people, people without a regard for God. David trusted that he will be saved, helped, sustained, and vindicated, so when God enacts justice, he would stand in victory. 
And this is all found in the cross of Jesus. Jesus took that evil head on. He took sin head on. And with God's help and sustenance, Jesus stood in victory. You see, what this means for you and me and for those who trust what Jesus has achieved on the cross is that know that we are vindicated, that we are forgiven of our sins, and now we stand in victory above evil. When David trusted that God was faithful to his name, he has seen what God has done for him and his people. And although we're not like David, we haven't experienced what he has experienced, we have recorded in the Bible an experience that deeply affects us and outweighs all experiences. Through the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, God offers everyone forgiveness. God offers everyone a new life. He promises for all those who trust in him that he will send his Holy Spirit to be their sustainer and helper as well. You see, even though Christians today may face betrayal, may face opposition, go through events like what happened last Sunday, as evil, as unjustified, as blood-boiling as that may be, Christians can be comforted knowing that God is faithful to his name, that he is our sustainer and our helper, and that he has defeated sin through his son. Victory has been won, and the Holy Spirit is that proof. And like David, who trusted that God will enact justice, we too can trust that when Jesus returns, he, like a spring, will repay the evil and act, and act rightful justice on all those who do not have a regard for God. And this is such a liberating truth. The Christian faith means that despite being hurt, despite being harmed or crippled by evil, the Christian can have a deep sense of peace, knowing that God will be faithful to his name, will sustain, help, and bring justice to the injustice world. At the beginning of our time together, I asked us to consider who do we turn to and trust when it seems like everything is against us? When we're betrayed, when we're hurt, when we feel the weight of injustice, was it family, authorities, books, or even holidays? But can I say, and may I invite us all to change and see how the first person we turn to is God. Just like how we see in this psalm, David turning to God, trusting that God will sustain, help him, and, and be there for him, we too can turn to God and trust that God will be there for us not betraying his faithfulness. Because you see, no other person or thing would ever be able to offer you the help and sustenance that we see on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our helper and sustainer, in all things you sustain us. Teach us to turn to you in our times of need, when we're drowning, and don't know where to go. 
let our hearts turn to you and remember the victory of the cross. Teach us to fix our eyes on you that we can be filled with a deep trust like David. Let us truly come to you in worship, knowing that we stand in victory with your son, Jesus. Amen.